Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, thanks for joining us today. When you have a moment, please check us out at consumerguide.com. That's consumerguide.com. While you're there, check out our 2021 Best Buy picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are shopping for a new vehicle. You will also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles that we drive here at Consumer Guide and all sorts of other fun stuff. You can also catch up on back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. How easy is that? Want to be added to the Car Stuff mailing list? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let's see who's online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. She is Jill Seminillo. Hey, Jill. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very well. I've, I've, hmm? Go ahead. I was going to say, I've already run six miles this morning, so, you know, <laughs> puts me I've in already, a great mood. I've already had a Diet Pepsi, so we've both done our physical fitness <laughs> regimen. Yes. Ask me how I am. How are you? I am. I'm all gloaty. I'm gloaty. Gloaty. That's, that's a good word, gloaty. Yeah. Listen Notes has named our podcast one of the best automotive podcasts of 2021. Woohoo! So I'm gloaty. So thank you. Thank Damon. Uh, thank you, Producer Lady B. I'm, I'm excited uh, to get this recognition. I, yeah, no, that's that's a big deal. I'm super excited about that as well. I, it means that people actually like to hear us talk for an hour. <laughs> as, as unlikely as that seems. Also exciting, and we don't have time for this this week, there's a place in Morton Grove called Savory Crust that's an empanada place. They do a macaroni and cheese empanada. This is part of my physical fitness uh, regimen. Oh, man. Holy cow. That's all I got. That's all I got. Holy cow. We could talk about it later someday. Holy cow. Mac okay. and cheese epinata. I just I just want people to, to hear that. And uh, now I'm thinking about lunch. All right. He's the senior editor here at Consumer Guide Automotive. And as a naturalist, he's chosen to go without air conditioning. Welcome, Damon Bell. No, not chosen. <laughs> no, like, is that ever really a choice? Not at all. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I have all my lights off and windows open. And I, I bought a $200 window AC unit last night, which Ugh. I have yet to install. But yes, AC central air units never fail when it's 65 degrees out. It's no. always no. 85. Yeah. Ugh. So, yes. And then I, I've got the first round of quotes uh, on replacing it. And man, yes. Not, not. Uh, it's never a pleasant uh, thing when you have to drop in excess of five grand. Ooh. House yeah. to make it comfortable again. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. Home so I guess, happiness. That's right. <laughs> I guess you're warm to the idea of discussing some hot topics today, Damon. But I'm pumped. I hate you. <laughs> oh man oh, I gotta give you props for that because I would have done the same thing if I was <laughs> alright after the first break we chat with Auto Channel Chicago correspondent Larry Newton about recent news and the recently premiered Ford Maverick small pickup truck you don't want to miss this conversation but Jill you rather mysteriously said you needed to correct us on something well, it's not so much necessarily that I need to correct you on something, but uh -huh. I do need to share a little bit of potentially for you guys bad news. Hmm. Bad news. Uh, bad. Well, maybe, maybe not. Not bad is a harsh word. Um, but is, it, is this worse news than Damon's air conditioning going out? <laughs> Uh, depends on your perspective. I, I'll, oh. I'll say no. I'll say no. All right. Um, but so, yeah, as you guys noted, I was at the, the Toyota. They were calling it HQ Confidential last week. And so we, we got to see some things. And you guys reported on the uh, Toyota Corolla Cross and, and yeah. talked about some of the other news coming out. One of the things you talked about was a concept car 
from Toyota that's all electric, and it's called the BZ4X. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, you know what's coming. Um, And um, you guys both expressed uh, a hearty um, hope that it would not be called the BZ4X. Yes. And... I don't have 100% confirmation on this, but I am like 99.9% sure that's going to be the name, and here's why. BZ is actually gonna be a new sub-brand for um, Toyota, and it's beyond zero. And all, so similar to I, you know, the Ionic brand oh. for Hyundai, BZ okay. is going to be the electric brand for Toyota. And so I anticipate that all the vehicles that come out from Toyota will have BZ something. So, I mean, I don't anticipate they'll say BZ RAV4. I think it's going to be BZ4X. So Mm. I'm very sorry to impart that news. That is is terrible news, Jill. You're correct. (laughs) So just to confirm, because this is actually very interesting, and I'm glad you brought it up, BZ, that is the new... uh, new tag for all of uh, Toyota's electric vehicles moving forward. Yep, that is my understanding. Um, and it means beyond zero, which is a nod towards their, um, you know, move towards zero emissions. Okay. Well, that works like the I at, at BMW or the EQ at Mercedes-Benz. Uh, that makes some sense, I think, because manufacturers are going to have to parallel sell EVs and conventional vehicles for a while. So there you have it. Yes, yeah. it's bad news. It's news, so I'm glad we reported it. Um, but but yeah, I'm you know, dang the messenger, Jill. Why did you tell us that? I know, darn me. Um, but uh, I, I just I was I was listening to last week's podcast, and I was like, oh man, you guys are going to be seriously unhappy. <laughs> uh, I'm not unhappy. I still think okay. it's, I still think it sounds like a Star Wars droid, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad to know that there is a little bit of rhyme or, and reason to it, uh, that it, it does stand for something. All right. Yeah. Well, Damon, and, and I hope you like bad segues. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars droids, would would you say that the Volkswagen ID4 electric compact crossover looks like something that a Star Wars droid might drive? Mm, not necessarily. The ID4 also sounds like a Star Wars. I was going to say, it sounds like one. <laughs> yes. And we've all driven the ID4 now. I believe yes. Larry has as well. Um, so I know. I think he's Tom, in right now. I know Tom has mixed opinion, mixed emotions on it. But Jill, what, what did you think of it? They're not that mixed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so I. I in in theory, I really like it. I I, I I had like I don't know if you wanted to call it an epiphany, but it was a moment. Did it um, hurt? It did not hurt. It was actually very euphoric because I had a moment while I was driving this vehicle where I didn't think about range once. And okay. and I have to say that's the first time I've been in an electric vehicle where I, I didn't have some level of paranoia of running out of electricity. And it's not like it has 5,000 miles of range, it's 250. But but for the driving that I do, and obviously we're in good weather right now, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have to worry about heating the car or, you know, cooling it excessively or anything like that. And, and I was just driving, I even forgot to plug it in one night and I didn't even stress out about it. So um, I, I feel like I, I don't know if that's like the tipping point for me in terms of EV vehicles or uh, what, but but so that that I really liked. I like the fact that that didn't freak me out. I think there are a lot of cool and clever features on here, but I do want to say, and I very much want your opinions on this, that the infotainment system is not one of those cool or clever features. I hate right. the infotainment system. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Uh, let me jump in here because I know Tom will have plenty to say when I'm finished. Uh, I'm kind of with you, Jill. It was this vehicle. This was one of the first EVs I drove that I was realistically, wow, you know, this could be a daily driver vehicle mm-hmm. for my family. It's just big enough over the, the Mach-E that we drove earlier this year. Um, the ID4's interior dimensions, even though it's a bit smaller on the outside, the interior dimensions are about the same as a Volkswagen Tiguan compact SUV. Mm. So interior space wise it's it's appreciably bigger 
than a Mustang Mach-E and especially a Chevy Bolt EV or Nissan Leaf, or for that matter, the new Bolt EV, EUV that's coming. So that in and of itself uh, puts it, makes it a lot more practical to me. I actually drove it out to see uh, some friends out uh, in a far suburb about an hour or so away. Mm-hmm. And again, like you, Jill, I didn't think about electric range once. And I fit four big strapping adult guys in there and we were all perfectly comfortable um so just and and i don't know that that would have been quite as comfy in a, in a mach e so uh but yes like you the the infotainment system and some of the other controls it's like if we're trying to get average john and you know john q public to shift to an ev I'm not sure that the strategy of starting with a completely sheet, clean sheet of paper and reinventing the entire control interface to make it feel as spacey and frankly as kind of alien as possible is is the right strategy. So, Tom, what do you think about that? Well, no, you're exactly making my point. So this is Volkswagen, and 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense to compare the the ID4 to the Volkswagen Beetle, which was designed 80 plus years ago. But on some level, Volkswagen is doing the same thing. This should be the people's electric vehicle, right? This should be an accessible, affordable, easy to use, easy to operate vehicle. And it impresses initially, to, as as Damon mentioned, the cabin is fantastic. It is bright. It is open. It is airy. It is simply designed. The first impressions are very, very good. If you can get past that, the car looks a little weird, but I'm not, that's not a problem. <laughs> but, but, but I am utterly gobsmacked, not gobsmacked, uh, uh, I don't know, just totally <laughs> confused, confused by why the digital interface is, is so darn bad. Yeah. It is confusing. It is unintuitive. There are screens that you expect to find normally that you can't find. Yeah. And then and then the confusing use of haptic response for people who don't know, that is, haptic response is just a little bit of feedback when you press a button or touch something on a touch screen. It could be noise. It can be physical buzz, something like that. They're used bizarrely where they're overused on the steering wheel and not used at all for some other controls. There are virtually no buttons or switches other than the touchscreen. So this gives this car a very clean design and they're borrowing this sort of uh, um, design principle from from Tesla because Tesla doesn't like switches either, but to very bad effect. It's hard to find out what you want to do. The home screen doesn't look like a home screen, so you never know exactly where you are. If you touch something that doesn't apply to the home screen, nothing happens. So you're pressing things that you think should do stuff, but there's no response whatsoever. Additionally, um, and I haven't heard you guys mention this, I found the brakes really difficult to modulate especially in heavy traffic, which is just a little bit frustrating. But on the road, pretty nice vehicle, good power, um, it handles well. I don't know. It, it, it's just I, I keep comparing this in my head to the Ford Mach-E, and as, as an initial sort of first salvo in the electric car wars, maybe the Mach-E doesn't have the in-cabin space of the ID4, but it does everything else so much better. Yeah. Hmm. I think this is... I chalk some of this up to the fact that we as auto journalists, the average short-term loan of a vehicle is a week. And us, we at Consumer Guide, we're often in vehicles for half a week. Right. And that is, I Tom, I had a little bit longer uh, turn in the ID4 than you did. And I think that's part of the reason because the stuff that's awkward and confusing and why did they do it this way at first there's a steep learning curve but an owner is going to acclimate to some of this stuff in the span of maybe two weeks or three weeks longer than we have with the vehicle and some of that stuff will become second nature it's tough to say uh but i think we're shuffling in and out of vehicles so much that that we value conventionalism more than uh, a person who's going to live with a vehicle for five years or so would. Uh, and some of this stuff, I think, is the way that there are over-the-air software updates and things. I think there are definitely some glitches in the ID4's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, brand new infotainment system. A lot of those kinks and, and things, and I'm sure there'll be some vocal customer feedback <laughs> on some of them. 
I think a lot of this is an over-the-air update away from being better, and other physical tweaks could be made that will iron out a lot of this stuff within the next model year or two. But yeah, a, a launch is super important too, so uh, we'll see how all that shakes out. Yeah, I mean, this is this is actually my second time looking at it. So I had a brief look at it at the Texas Auto Riders Spring Roundup, and you know, then I just had the warm, fluffy, you know, fuzzy, happy, you know, clever feelings about it. But but spending a little bit more time in it, you know, I just got more and more frustrated. And and probably the singularly most frustrating thing was the um, radio interface. And, um, you know, and, and my husband and I, we're Volkswagen owners. And so this is completely, you know, this system is completely foreign from what you've seen on Volkswagen before. And we could not figure out, and surely there's a way, but we could not figure out how to just get a list of all of the XM radio stations without going to pop, then rock, then talk, then yeah, sports. Yeah, and, yeah. Like you had to segment, and, and my husband was like, I just want a list of all the stations. And, and, and like he was like visibly frustrated, and I'm super glad he wasn't driving because like I feel <laughs> like he would have... Um, I don't know, like swerved or something, because he was like so angry at the car. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so I, I I don't know. I mean, you're right. There there is um, a, a ramp up period and a familiarity period, and and perhaps the next time, you know, all of us get behind the wheel, we'll be like, oh, now we understand. You know, the light. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But but for right now, that interface just um, it stinks. Yeah. Uh, and Jill, you missed one thing about the radio interface. Mm. And this is key, and, and this is going to drive a stake through the heart of producer Lady B. There's no AM radio. <gasps> I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Yeah, I spend a lot of time listening to AM radio, and it seems like no German plug-in hybrids or German electric vehicles come with AM. We're actually working on a story about this, but that, yeah. that's some, some weeks away. Anyway, we have to take a break. One thing we did not mention about the ID4, the price starts right around $40,000 for the rear-wheel drive version. All-wheel drive costs a lot more, actually, about $4,000 more. But we'll get into the pricing of EV sometime in the future. All right, uh, time for a commercial break. When we come back, we talk to Larry Newton of the Auto Channel. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Absolutely delighted you decided to stick around. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. Also, uh, if you want to look at a brand new looking uh, Pontiac Fiero, I just spotted one and posted it on Twitter. That's why you want to follow me. <laughs> All right. He is a mechanical engineer, having spent time working with the good folks at Volkswagen. These days, he's a Chicago correspondent for the Auto Channel and an officer of the Midwest Automotive Media Association. He also really likes oysters. Welcome to the podcast, Larry Knudsen. Hey, Larry. Hi, everybody. Great to be here today. Thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. Couldn't be better. The sun is shining. Actually, temperature's kind of moderate. You know, we've got rid of that 90-degree stuff for a while. So, doing doing great. It's it's a little less comfortable for Damon because his air conditioner is broken. And <laughs> he's cranky. Damon yeah. is cranky. Yeah. Timing is everything. Timing is everything, you know? <laughs> That's right. So, Larry, we just wrapped up a conversation about the Volkswagen ID4. That's VW's new compact electric crossover. But you've driven it, too. And if you have any special opinions of that vehicle, good or bad, uh, we'd love to hear them. I'm actually driving it, not at the moment, but right now in this one-week time frame. And I'm really enjoying it. I actually heard a different, an interesting conversation earlier today. Do consumers really refer to crossovers or do they just refer to SUVs or utility vehicles? And actually, I think we should get rid of the S in SUVs because there's nothing sporty about a lot of them. <laughs> Having, that's, 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 that's an opinion. Just call them UVs, not meaning ultraviolet, but utility vehicles, okay? But I want to say... I really like the ID4, and, and for everybody's information, I live right in the heart of the city. I'm driving in the city all the time, and 
electric vehicles work really good in cities where you have you're driving short distances and you're doing lots of stop and go driving. Um, I like I put the ID4 in a B mode. You can select a normal drive mode or a B for braking mode, and you get lots of regenerative braking. You can lift off the throttle and the car slows down for you, and it also puts charge back into the battery. Um, I also recently drove the Ford Mach-E, so in my mind, I'm comparing the two of them, sure. um, and I like the I like the way the ID4 handles and drives much better than the Mach-E. I'm sorry to say that for mm. you. Um, oh. I thought the I, I thought the Mach-E ride was a bit harsh. Um, okay. We have to keep we have to keep in mind that both of these vehicles are pretty heavy because of the batteries. They weigh in the range of. 4,400 to 4,900 pounds, okay? They're heavy, and there's lots of weight low in towards the ground, low center of gravity, and I think they have to play with the suspension tuning a little bit to get the right ride out, ride out of them. Um, I also will tell you, um, the first thing I did relative to the Mach-E was, what's the tire pressure here? Where are they? Um, and the recommended tire inflation pressure for the Mach-E is 39 psi, which I think is a little high. Little high. And actually, comparing it to the to the ID4, the recommended ID, uh, tire inflation inflation pressure, excuse me, for the ID4 is 42 psi. Um, and of course, let me say that the more the more highly inflated tires are, there's less rolling resistance, and you get better efficiency, and you can go more. So there's this trade-off between ride and miles. Um, I will charge the ID4 probably later this week at a level three DC fast charger located at a Target store at Larrabee and Chicago. I've charged the Mach-E before there, and you can get, I can get 50% more capacity in about 20 minutes. It really works wonderfully, okay? Um, and I think the important conversation with EVs is people have to understand how to charge them and how much time it takes to charge them. Um, if you think you can plug it into a 120 volt house outlet, to me that's like putting gasoline in a gasoline car through a straw. It's not quite gonna touch, okay? Um, you need at least to have a 240 volt level two charger available in your home to do this. Um, so, and the big conversation on EVs, as we all know, is infrastructure, enough charging places so we can go out and make a drive. Um, and I think we're gonna get to that. There's a big push globally to move towards electric vehicles, and this is all driven by climate change, everybody. It's not about reduced consumption of foreign oil, it's about climate change and reducing the temperature of our environment, which has climbed up. People are complaining about the hot days. Well, that's all climate change. Um, so we need to, and let me say it this way, get on the bandwagon, okay? Um, so yeah, um, I think there's a good future with EVs. Um, they're not for everybody and people need to understand, I'm gonna call their driving pattern before they, if you say, I would say make the leap, you know, into an EV. Um, and if EV is not right for them, perhaps a hybrid is a more appropriate vehicle. Which is a perfect segue. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Larry, I wanted to just real quick. Uh, I wanted to talk about the climate change at Damon's house, and then I also wanted to, I also wanted to ask you about your impressions of the digital interface in the ID4 because we have some very specific opinions about that. Um. So the ID4 has a slight learning curve to understand everything. <laughs> you know, this is, but don't, don't laugh. This is like the first time you use the computer, okay? It's the first time you use the computer. Oh, how do I do this? I'm no longer using a typewriter, okay? Um, it's like going from a mobile flip phone to an iPhone. It's the little learning curve. This is technology. This is moving forward. I think everybody has to make an adjustment. Um, it's not totally intuitive, but once you do it the first time or the second time, you got it. And I had to sit there and play around with the touch screen, seeing what did what, um, and eventually I, I got it all, you know? Um, I'm gonna jump back to the um, Ford Mach-E. My wife got in it and really didn't like the big touch screen in the Mach-E. It's really big, okay? It's huge, I, yeah. Um, 
it's you know, but it's then the ID four touchscreen is a little bit more of a reasonable size. Um, but actually, I love the I love the ID four because you can get in it. And through the key, it knows you're there, and it starts up. I mean, you don't hear anything, but it lights up for you, you know? And then when you leave it, when you leave the car and you park it, you push the button for park and just get out of the car, and it says goodbye to you, and it shuts off, and you lock the door. So there's no looking for a stop-start button. There's no punch in the key to lock the doors. You can do a touch a touch press on the outside. Um, so what am I saying here? This is technology <laughs> moving forward. Technology moving forward, and we have to learn a little bit, and it's going to be just fine. Okay, um, Larry, I, I admire your graciousness in this in this regard. Um, <laughs> I was a little less uh, a little less friendly about the topic. We should move on, though. We should be well, talking about it, the big news it, from Ford. Big news from Ford. Ford certainly has been making lots of news, and the oh, latest, yeah. of course, this week is is their new Maverick. A small compact pickup truck coming to the market. It certainly is pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to give you a little a little analogy, and then I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. Back about uh, 15, 16, 17 years ago, my younger daughter was in high school, and if I drove into the student parking lot, it looked like a Ford Escape Jeep Liberty used car dealer. That's what every <laughs> student was driving. And I'm telling you that because, in my opinion, the Ford Maverick will be really popular in high school parking lots for all those juniors and seniors <laughs> who can drive to school. It's the new hot ticket for them. Think about it. It's Ford's entry-level vehicle. It's the lowest-priced vehicle in the Ford lineup. This is going to be a Gen Z attractor, that's for sure. No, no doubt about it, okay? And it can tow 2,000 pounds with the base hybrid engine. It can tow 4,000 pounds with the higher performance engine. So, hey, connect that trailer with your snowmobiles or jet skis on the back and off you go. Have fun. Um, I think it's a cool little vehicle and young people are going to eat this up. I'm interested in the fact, Larry, that this vehicle, that we're talking about the Ford Maverick, which is Ford's new compact, compact pickup truck. Um, I'm interested that they, design-wise, they made it look like a pickup truck. Um, it, it still has that boxy sort of functional look, and they've, they've gone to great lengths to make it seem utilitarian. They talk about the, the bed, uh, payload, the towing capacity, and there's up to a 4,000-pound towing capacity, which is pretty cool. But they've, they've gone a different direction. Hyundai, of course, is going to be launching the Santa Cruz small pickup fairly soon, and that's kind of a soft rotor kind of thing, too, where it, it, it's not a serious pickup truck in the traditional sense, uh, but that's a much more uh, automotive, let's, let's say car-looking kind of vehicle. It doesn't have the broad shoulders and things like that. And I think that the two of them probably have some market they can share there. I, I agree with that. Um the Hyundai Santa Cruz is for the buyer who might be looking at, okay, here it comes again, crossover SUV, who might be looking at a small car-based utility vehicle, but actually lives a lifestyle and perhaps lives in the city and wants the open rear bed to put all their toys in so they can get out of town on the weekend and go to the go to the lakefront or go to the camping trail, okay, um, and still have a pretty car-like vehicle during the week. I think the Maverick does the same thing, and I agree with you, Tom. It's more truck-like in appearance. Um, it's going to attract a certain buyer, probably not to be gender-specific, but probably more male-oriented, let me say it that way. The Santa Cruz, a little bit less so, okay? Um, but I think both of them are going to attract an interesting market um, with younger people. That's for sure. A great opportunity there. And you know how it goes. Once you bring the buyer into the family, the Hyundai family or the Ford family, uh, the desire is to keep them there as they move through their life cycle, the individual life cycle, and need different kinds of vehicles. Yeah, I'm super intrigued by, uh, I, I have to say, I've been incredibly impressed with Ford's recent product launches. Uh, the most recent one before this, of course, was the pure electric Ford F-150 Lightning. Um, and what's impressing me about uh, Ford's latest stuff is it's so apparent 
how much extra thought and market research and observation of the way consumers use vehicles in the real world, uh, how much effort Ford has put into looking at those things and then using that information to inform the way they design these vehicles. I don't think the, you know, a a non-crew cab pickup of any size is almost kind of a non-starter these days. It's, It's crazy that um what used to be the 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 different pickup is now the standard like pickups used to be single cab two-door vehicles and now that's the rarity uh with with a long bed with a long bed and that's the the thing with this maverick man a four and a half foot bed does not sound like a whole lot and it's not but within that relatively small space, there's an incredible amount of innovation that Ford has put into it. Yeah. And it's simple stuff where it's just like, it's, I, I love design solutions that are not complex. They're just thoughtful. And there's little slots and things. I think they call it flex bed. There's just slots and things molded into the inner bed of the Maverick's pickup bed where you can just stick a two by four in there and have a DIY uh, cargo divider and configure the bed in different ways depending on what you need to haul. One of the things I saw is uh, they they showed that just, they've got some uh, attachments or, or metal pieces you can just screw onto a two by four where you take the front tire off your mountain bike, stick it into that and you've got a DIY mountain bike carrier for 40 mm-hmm. bucks or whatever so I, I never really thought about hey you can do a bunch of stuff uh with two by fours to customize your pickup but just little diy things like that i thought it was very clever yeah make make it low cost cost for the younger consumer okay so they're not spending lots of money for fancy accessories and and that you can make it more your own you can customize it to your personal use i think that's really important um for sure yeah, you know, and I think that both, you know, as, as Larry has said, both Cruz, Santa Cruz and the Maverick are definitely going to skew younger. And uh, my boss at Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk and I, we were having the conversation last night, actually, that we think uh, Maverick will probably skew more female. Um, and and, and, and it's funny because Tim actually asked me, he's like, well, do you think that with the introduction of Maverick is the Santa Cruz DOA? And, and I don't think it is. I mean, I think they're two very different buyers, you know, where, you know, the, the Santa Cruz is going to be more of like an activity, lifestyle-y kind of person, whereas somebody who is opting for the Maverick might actually use the bed of the truck for things like flowers or, you know, workish stuff. So, um, I, you know, I, I think there's space for both of them. And, you know, my question is, uh, who's next? Who's, who's coming out with the compact, compact truck next? We'll see. Well, Chevy once had a S10, so who knows what's going to happen right. next, you know, in, in, this, in the pickup wars. Um, two two, two entries into this segment might be enough for now. Uh, we'll see what the potential is here, but is, is this a 120,000-unit segment? We'll have to see. Uh, one of the things about Ford is it is a Ford, so there's sort of a built-in audience right. for that right away. Yeah. And I think that there are plenty of F-250 owners, that's the big three-quarter-ton truck, who might just want to buy one of these for their wife because they think it's cool, but they don't want to drive it themselves. And then there's, I think there's a new urban audience that we've been talking about for this thing as well. So I think it can do well. And I think Hyundai's shooting for a slightly different audience. I think mm-hmm. Hyundai is actually looking for a female audience or more female audience and they're looking for kind of a sporty runabout kind of thing but I but I don't know if anyone's going to jump in right now because I don't know if we know how big this segment is and again we're still waiting for Ram to come out with something in the midsize segment mm-hmm. um, so this is this is a very evolving chunk of the auto industry yeah and I don't know that Ram is going to come out with something in the midsize segment by the way um, they, right. they were going to but I think they put the kibosh on it Interestingly, too, I don't think they knew where they wanted to go. I don't know if they wanted to do something traditional and heavy-duty and body-on-frame or do something more like what Ford is doing here with the Maverick. But we have kind of run out of time. Larry, I would like you to tell folks about your weekly wrap-up at the Auto Channel. Um, I keep track of what's going on in the automotive world throughout the week. Uh, I'm kind of like... Um, uh, a, a new, a, a new, a radio news reporter who sits sits having his cup of coffee in the morning, reading the headlines and figure out what he's going to talk about on the air. So 
so I like to put together this summary um, uh, of what's going on throughout the week, and it's published on the Auto Channel, the week's news. And it, it's headline, kind of top-of-line stuff, and, of course, it could stimulate someone to say, oh, I'm interested in that, and you could easily use Mr. Google to find more, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it, and, it cro- and it crosses what's going, it's, it's cons- consumer-oriented information. It's not what's going on deep down inside the automobile industry. It's, it's, it's about safety. It's about potential new vehicles coming to the market. It's got a little bit of motorsports in it, a little bit of auto shows, a little bit of museums, a little bit of collector car information, things like that that would interest the general consumer in the automotive space, uh, who's interested in the automotive space, to pursue finding something that interests them. And, and with, with, with the world opening up now with um, uh, vaccinations on the rise and COVID on the wane, um, I think we'll be seeing more and more activity going on out there uh, with live events happening um, for us to get back into uh, really loving automobiles, let me say it that way. <laughs> Sounds good. Larry, we're flat out of time. Thanks for joining us this week. Sure, great, great to be on board. Lo- lovely talking with you all. Thanks very much, okay? All right, he is Larry Newton with the Auto Channel. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and I'm glad you're sticking around for the quiz. But first, Jill, Jill, uh, rumor has it you do some social media stuff. Tell us about that. Some social media stuff. I do lots and lots of social media stuff. Yeah, Um, (laughs) uh, You can find me on Instagram, uh, TikTok, Twitter, all at Jill Simonello. So Jill Simonello, all one word. That's my name. And I pretty much hashtag everything car du jour because I'm looking at the car that I am driving today. All right. Hey, Damon, you are committed entirely to Widgie Connect. Tell us about that. (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm on twitter at david cars all right all right follow these crazy kids in their respective social media outlets you know what time it is guys right quiz time it's quiz time and things are a little bit different this week because of the nature of the quiz i'm going to have to impose a time limit you're going to see why uh but today's topic is wait how many and here are the rules. You may not, you're in, you're in good faith. You, good faith applies here. You are not allowed to pick up a pencil and start taking notes while the other person is talking. But you may use your fingers and toes. Mm. You'll see why this matters in a moment again. You have 15 seconds. I'm not actually using a timer, but I will, I will become aggressive in getting an answer from you at some point. I hope you're ready. I don't know. <laughs> I, got a, I got a bad feeling about this. All right, you'll see what's going on in just a moment. Jill, are you ready? You go first. Oh, great. Can you <laughs> You have 15 seconds from the moment I say Jill. Jill, how many 2021 Chevrolet models are there? 3, 12, 15, or 22? 22. 22, that's your answer. Yeah. You came, that was fast. Damon, the question goes to you. How many 2021 Chevrolet models are there? Three, twelve, fifteen, or twenty-two models. I'll say twenty-two as well. Kids, you're both wrong. Uh, <laughs> I probably should have gone into more detail about how this worked. I'm going specifically from their website, and I'm not including uh, anything that isn't 2021, and I'm not including any trim levels. So this is what we have from Chevy, Trailblazer, Trax, Equinox, Blazer, Traverse, Tahoe, Suburban, Colorado, Canyon, I'm not, not Canyon, Silverado, Silverado HD, Bolt EV, Spark, Malibu, Camaro, and Corvette. That comes to 15. No one's on the board yet, but Damon, this question goes to you. You're going to want to answer quickly because Jill is going to be taking her socks off to count toes. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. Damon, how many 2021 Land Rover Range Rover models are there? Five, seven, nine, or 44? <laughs> Anything that has the Range Rover name? Land Rover or Range Rover? 
Land Rover or Range Rover. So the entire Land Rover lineup. That's correct. Okay. You have three seconds. Well, you weren't clear with the question. What? Give, give me the numbers again. Five, seven, nine, forty-four. He's milking the clock. I'll say nine. All right, Jill. This question goes to you. Five, seven, nine, or forty-four. I'm also going to say nine. Okay, you're both wrong. It's seven. <laughs> Uh, the correct answers were Range Rover, Range Rover Sport, Range Rover Velar, Range Rover Evoque, Discovery, Discovery Fort, and Defender. Ah. All right. No one's on the board yet. Jill, this question goes to you. You're going to want to answer very quickly. Okay. Uh, Jill, how many 2021 Bentley models are there? Three, four, five, or 93? Four. Damon? Mm, I guess I'll say four, too. You're both wrong. <laughs> The correct answer is three for this year. Just, uh, just been taken. Three. Continental and Flying Spur. The big cars, the Mulzahn, the Brooklyns, those are all gone now. Uh, well, this could be like the first quiz where nobody gets any points. Well, you're really not going to like this one. This one goes to Damon. <laughs> Damon, are you ready? Sure. How many 2021 Lotus models are there? Street legal. Zero, one, two, or three? I'll say zero. All right. Jill, how many 2021 Lotus models are there? One. Ooh, Jill's on the board. Because I think it's the, the Evora, isn't it? Just the Evora, correct, yeah. They still sell the Exige and the Elise, but neither of those cars is currently street legal, so those are just track cars. And they have, they have really weird last edition versions of everything on their website. Okay, Jill, this question goes to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Jill, how many 2021 Lexus models are there? Six, eight, 10, or 12? 10. 10. Damon, how many 2021 Lexus models are there? Uh, just to be different, I'll say 12. Jill gets the point, there are 10. Woo! The IS, the ES, the LS, the UX, the NX, the RX, the GX, the LX, the RC, and the LC. That is 10. Okay, Damon, you can't win. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's it. What? Jill won two to zero, but we go to the bonus question. All right. A uh, topic I think both of you know, like, know a lot about. Damon, according to the website usbowling.com, what is the regulation length of a bowling alley? Is it 45 feet, 60 feet, 75 feet, or 31.1 meters? I'll say the third one. 75 feet? Yeah. Jill, according to the website usbowling.com, which I go to all the time, what is the regulation length of a bowling alley? Is it 45 feet, 60 feet, 75 feet, or 31.1 meters? Just because it sounds weird, I'm going to say 31.1 meters. Oh, no one gets the bonus point. <laughs> it's 60 feet. All right. Jill gets a victory. Damon gets shut out, I think, for the first time this year. And there's no bonus point. Uh, What's that? Ever, I think. I think ever, yeah. I don't know that I've ever gotten a goose egg before. Frankly, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. <laughs> <laughs> well, did I, I, and I would like to point out, this is probably only my second victory in 2021. I have been on quite the losing streak, so I'm totally going to take this win. No, you've so, had more than two. Yeah, you've had, you've had more. I, I, I don't you've think had so. Three. I don't think so. I literally think this is my second one. <laughs> I have I been tanking the quizzes this year. I think if there's an interesting thing happening with your quiz scores, it's that when you lose, you lose spectacularly. I think that's a thing. And when I when I win, I win unspectacularly. So I don't know. You just want to shut out. So there's I that. Think, yeah, I think this one counts with, as a fairly with, spectacular win. With two points. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that was actually a fun quiz, Tom. I, I like that because you don't you, you don't spend a lot of time waffling. You just have to like, what's your f first instinct? Well, I didn't want anyone to start counting in their head, so I just, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. There it was. That was a quiz. Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. After that showstopper, uh, what's going on this week at the CG Daily Drive blog? A bunch of good stuff as usual. I'd say the biggest news on the blog this week is our first spin article of the 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. Yeah. 
Um, that's uh, maybe not quite as important as the Nissan Rogue compact SUV for Nissan, but probably a close second. This is uh, Nissan's long-running three-row midsize SUV, and it's redesigned for 2022 with uh, kind of more macho, slightly more macho styling that's very much in line with the new Rogue's look. Um, and they're, even though I think it pretty much stays the course engineering-wise as the previous gen model, they seem to be pushing this a lot more as a outdoor adventurer vehicle that's definitely a trend i'm seeing a lot in the in the suv world these days even among crossover suvs which is basically what this is with with the pathfinder then uh nissan has reinvented its core products uh core product lineup in just a few months because they've got the new rogue as well um and Nissan's been hemorrhaging sales. They really needed the new Rogue. They really needed the new Pathfinder. And um, we'll see how these do for them. Yeah, and this is not uh, this is not a clean sheet of paper redesign. I, I think it's based on the previous uh, Gen Pathfinder's platform. The engine carries over, although it gets a nine-speed automatic transmission in place of the previous CVT. Woohoo! And the world rejoiced. I, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a change. That's a change that a lot of people will like. Um, the, in, the interior looks good to me. There's some cool kind of cargo solutions. Again, the the fact that the, this idea of pushing this rugged kind of overlander thing, in terms of its actual construction, this is a fairly conventional crossover three-row midsize SUV like your Honda Pilot, your Toyota Highlander, uh, the big old Volkswagen Atlas. But they've got pictures in their launch promotional materials for this that show it with blacked out trim and a big roof basket with uh, big auxiliary lights and really knobby looking uh, all-terrain tires. All of which is not available on a over-the-counter model. It's dealer-installed accessories, which is sort of a peculiar tactic in, in my book, but I think it underscores this idea that clearly consumers are responding to this idea of a rugged, outdoorsy, off-road capable vehicle, even if they're not really going to put it to the test in that way. Yeah, and addressing that that weird consumer shift in interest, right? There's the uh, um, the Subaru Outback uh, Wilderness. We've talked about that before. Yeah, we've talked and, about that. And the Ford Explorer Timberline. So manufacturers are seeing that people certainly want the look of outdoorsiness, even if they're probably not going to go out and shoot a twelve pointer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Tom, do you think we will see uh, kayaks on the roof of these pathfinders? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to get that Subaru demographic. We'll see that. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, otherwise, uh, other than the Pathfinder, we do have a first look article on the 22 Ford Maverick compact pickup that we just talked about with Larry. Um, we've got a throwback photo feature on a very cool world war ii era vehicle uh, a specific world war ii uh, vehicle that saw service in world war ii that's a 41 dodge wc18 ambulance um boy yeah that's a that's a rugged old school looking off-roader for sure olive drab and in the whole nine yards it, as it turns out reading the article that that vehicle has actually been restored although it looks unrestored it's a great old kind of period look for sure. And and I think this is this era of Dodge vehicle sort of begat the first Dodge Power Wagons. Right. A, a name that has popped up multiple times in Dodge and Ram pickup history. So you can kind of look at the origins of where the Power Wagon came from. Um, and then we've also got a couple of uh, test drive reviews. We've got a 2021 Cadillac CT5 Premium Luxury. Actually, uh, interesting point-counterpoint. We've got a CT5 Premium Luxury and also a Lexus ES250 all-wheel drive F-Sport. Uh, that's the first time the ES has been available with all-wheel drive. That's something that they added for 2021. Uh, very interesting cross-shopper comparison between the all-wheel drive Cadillac CT5 and the Lexus ES250. 
Yeah, they're, they're such different things, and yet they play in a, I guess, a similar ballpark. Um, but, but the ES, to make the ES work with all-wheel drive, and obviously Lexus thought they needed to have an all-wheel drive version of that vehicle, it's attached to the lineup's only four-cylinder engine. And you think that would play to the car's detriment, but actual in actual just commuting driving, I didn't find that to be any sort of detriment at all. I thought the car was 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 powerful enough. It's certainly refined, um, and all-wheel drive is a big deal here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with the ES250, but I was also super impressed with that CT5, which gets you a gutsy turbo V6 engine, all-wheel drive as well, and the bottom line of that CT5 test vehicle we had actually snuck in as a little bit cheaper than the ES, which surprised me. It was fifty-one uh, four fifty-five for that Cadillac, and I think the, the Lexus was like a grand or so more. For a long time, it seemed like Cadillac was was pricing its stuff just a little too high. So this is this is sort of a revelation because that car is very refined and it's very quick. Um, it's actually a very likable car, and it's just sort of sneaking in here as a good. I hesitate to say this at that price, but it's a good deal. Oh yeah, it's it's. I don't think of Cadillac as a value leader brand. Five <laughs> is is absolutely that. Um, and we should I should mention too. The, the V6 engine and the all-wheel drive is is a pretty hefty uh, add-on. I think the two of them together is in the neighborhood of $5,000. But this the CT5 actually starts in the low 40s, so you can make it an even more accessible vehicle if you stick with the four-cylinder and uh, two-wheel drive. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a Cadillac presentation that I think we were all involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cadillac was talking about its full lineup, and I had actually asked the question about prices having come down. The the CT4 and the CT5, which is their compact and midsize cars, those those vehicles actually being cheaper than the ATS and CTS that they replaced, and and they didn't seem to want to address a price adjustment adjustment, and the actual response was, well, we don't consider these cars direct replacements, and they are absolutely direct replacements. <laughs> But I guess the, the repositioning and the realization that perhaps the cars before were a little bit overpriced wasn't something that they were prepared to deal with. Yeah. So. Is that all the stuff, Damon? Uh, there, real quick, we do have a, a test drive of a honkin' large premium SUV. That's the uh, 2021 Infiniti QX80 Premium Select. If you want an old-school body on frame uh, luxury SUV you can check that out and it is indeed honk and large <laughs> that's that's actually the category uh, honk and large <laughs> <laughs> all right well we've done what we always do we've completely run out of time big thanks to Larry Newton of the Auto Channel for joining us this week Jill and Damon thank you guys thanks as always to Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago as always a nod to my friend Steve and Johnny Remember, you can reach us at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. Hey, I have an idea. Let's talk more about cars again next week.